This is Comics Coast to Coast. Everybody, this is Brian Dunaway, and you're listening to Comics Coast to Coast, episode 342, the Kyle Farron interview. Before we talk to Kyle, I'm going to reach over here and talk to my good buddy, Joel Duggan of Starcrossed Online and Forge Publishing. Joel! Hello, how are you doing, man? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, we we took a week off, but we're back. Uh, of course, we'll have an exciting show next week, right? We're going to do uh, maybe have Hammond back, and we're going to do our yearly yeah. uh, Christmas special thing. Uh, might talk a little more about that in the show, but uh, it's going to be a good time. It uh, Black Friday really knocks you on your butt. You got to take a week does. off. It does absolutely. Also with us is Matt the Wad, Matthew Ducharme. How are you? Uh oh. We was fiddling. We made Matt fiddle with his settings before the show, and now I can't hear Matt at all. Love it. Matt, are you there? Uh-oh. Oh, sorry. Oh, I, guess I, I, I was going to say, accidentally I muted when muted. I meant to unmute. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Hey, can't beat that intro. Thank you, Matt. Uh, that was good times and fun <laughs> for me. All right. With us tonight is Kyle Farron. And how are you, Mr. Farron? I'm great. I'm feeling good. Excellent. It's getting dark outside, and I'm yes. positive. <laughs> That's right. This, this this episode is recorded thanks to a winter time when the sun retreats early. Uh, so, Kyle, welcome to the show. Thank you for taking the time to sit down with us and talk with us a little bit. Would you mind uh, telling the listening audience a little bit about yourself and your work? Yeah, uh, I'm Kyle. Uh, I live uh, near Salt Lake City, Utah, and I work for Leader Games. Oh, yeah. Um, which, which is a game company that makes board games uh, in Minnesota. So oh. everybody I work with is in St. Paul, and I work remotely. Um, I've worked on a few games with them, Vast the Crystal Caverns, um, Root, uh, which is our big one right now. Uh, and then uh, a sequel game called Vast the Mysterious Manor that's uh, coming out next year. Right. I, I'm excited about all those projects and didn't have a lot of information before I started studying you. Uh, if, if the listener is thinking, wow, they've talked to a, a it's like no, they like had no board game artist and all of a sudden like a glutton, uh, a glut <laughs> of board. And the reason why is because this uh, this 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 man here was suggested by uh, our our good friend John Kovalik a few weeks back. And uh, we're glad he did introduce you because love your work. Really enjoy. Thank you. It. Absolutely. Well, John's a great guy too. So he's a great. Isn't he, isn't he great. Love that guy. Now, okay, I want to hear a little bit about more about Root, but first, before I do that, I want to tell everybody where to go if they're interested in seeing your work. Is your Tumblr site the best place for people to check that out? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a good question. Everyone's kind of jumping ship on Tumblr yeah. this week. So I, you know why, uh, right? Because it's like they I do they, know why they shut down the I, porn. And now everybody's well, leaving Tumblr. Is that what happened? I'll tell you what. Yeah, and tell you what, I don't draw any of that. And if I had like some pictures of trees get flagged. So I mean really? it's it's just a yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the people are jumping ship. Um I'm pretty I'm pretty active on Twitter. Um uh and the thing about portfolios is that when you have a job you don't update them very often. So um my uh yeah. If I'm on look, I'm on Twitter, right. Kyle Farron, or my handle's D twenty plus modifier. Um, if you want to find me that way, um, and then I have a, like 
t-shirt store. It's all just under yeah. Kyle Farron though. If you Google my name, you'll be able to find pretty much everything associated with me. I know there's like six other Kyle Farrens on um, Facebook and I make sure to like fight them to everything nah. before they get it. So <laughs> welcome to my, so, welcome to my Twitter name at the Brian Dunaway. Other, I know you're going to get other Brian Dunaway, who is a copyright, uh, copyright lawyer who uh, won't get off the, get off the pot. Let me, let me have it. <laughs> I can, ha- I can do so much with it. Get off it. But yeah, I yep. it's interesting what's going on over at Tumblr. I did not know that they were uh, flagging those stuff. I knew they were taking a harder stance at uh, uh, their content. I don't know exactly. Well, I think they just have some automated stuff that's flagging things. But it really, it was like three pictures in a row that had axes in them. And I'm <laughs> like, are the axes? Are the axes what's flagging their algorithm? And it's like, well, I think it might be weapons of any kind. Like, well, then I'm in oh. trouble because. Most of my pictures have swords in them. Yeah. But so, yeah. So Tumblr, um, yeah, I have stuff there. But if you look me up on Twitter, I'm more active there. And, um, yeah. and I do have a Facebook page, too. So Right. I'm more active on Twitter as well. Uh, and I follow you on the Twitters. And I've enjoyed it. It's one of the ways I usually stalk our, uh, our guest. I'm like, oh, let's see what they <laughs> let's see what clever things they're interested in. We keep we keep trying to get them to use the word research, Kyle, Stock. but it just it's, it's, it's not sticking. Stock. Yeah. Well, I mean, when your research involves finding out what like they had for dinner, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a little bit. That's that's you can say stalking. Not but, not to mention, I but, mean, it's it's a it's the introduction to our long relationship of me stalking you. So I mean, it's not like I researched you and it just quit. What I am giving you. Is a long-term social. Uh, there we go. A follower. Right. <laughs> so, so much better. I'll take it. So much better. Uh, oh, by the way, yes, you can. You can. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna get on my little soapbox for a minute. Yes, you can Google Kyle Farron, but what I prefer to do is the Duck Duck Go uh, Kyle Farron because I just watched a, a paranoid laced uh, documentary called The Creepy Line on Amazon Prime. So I'm just saying I'm. If you, if you hear me not say Google something, it's because I'm paranoid now. <laughs> you've been you've I've, been turned off to I've the been, process, right? I've been I've been brainwashed. All right, so do give us let's so you you know where to go now. You can you can Google Kyle Farron or Duck Duck Go it, and you can find out where he's at on Twitter. So give us a little bit about uh, Root, a game of Woodland Might and Right. Yeah, so it's kind of a it's kind of a unique thing uh, that we've been working on. Um, we uh, at Leader Games we, we hired a guy named Cole Worley um, and to, to come on and design some games with us. And he is a big fan of the genre of board games called uh, coin games or counterinsurgency <laughs> games. And a, a lot of times, those type of games are really steeped in a, like a really specific historical context. Right. <laughs> so it's like, if you want, if you want to play a war game, I mean, it's going to be called something. The joke we always use is like 1816 river of blood or something like that, where it's like, unless you know, like what textbook you're supposed to be looking in, it's going to be hard to, to play the game the way it's supposed to be played. Right. So um, we set out to try and make, a war game, a coin game um, for people who don't know they'd like those type of games mm. to make something really accessible. So, um, for example, the the despots in our in our story, like the or in the game, um, one of the playable factions you can play as is um, a group of cats who rule the forest. And we kind of so they're all anthropomorphic animals. So if you think about like uh, Redwall 
or uh, nice. Disney's Robin Hood. Um, and so, you know, we want to communicate like, oh, whether you like cats or you don't like cats, you can understand that like, <laughs> oh, the jerk, the jerks who run everything are cats. Um, and and so then we just rolled with that. So there's a, like the Woodland Alliance is like an insurgency group. And so really it's kind of like almost like tricking people into playing like this really interesting political game. Right. Uh, but it's cute. And, uh, and it's funny. And, um, you know, you can play as a raccoon vagabond who, you know, comes into your clearing and then buys a crossbow from you and then shoots you with it. Like it's, uh, it, it makes kind of this, this serious and oftentimes dour, uh, game space, a lot more accessible for a lot of people. And so we're experiencing a big, uh, influx of like, Oh, I didn't even know I'd like this kind of game or, Oh, this is much meaner of a game than I ever would have thought I'd like. But <laughs> so that's you. what it is. And I draw the animals. I'll, I'll tell you, Kyle, uh, I, I, I had complained for years, and this has taken a quick turn. I've complained for years that board games had antiquated artwork on them for years. Uh, they, they did not have a modern. Well, they board. did. Yeah. And now, <laughs> I mean, go ahead. No, I was just going to say there's so many games. You know, if you ask a lot of hobby gamers, like, what's your favorite game? A lot of pick times, it'll be like a very serious looking man standing in a mm. field. Yeah, as the cover art. Yeah. Um, but uh, <laughs> but but that doesn't tell you a lot about what the game is. And I think um, uh, modern board games, especially, mm. are starting to see like, oh, hey, like aesthetic is important. Like yes. there there's some clarity uh, considerations to be made mm-hmm. when you're making a board game to make sure people know how to play it and can figure out the rules and things like that. But it's not just about clarity it's not just about icons and symbols and uh, you know a white grid with you know black squares that you put on it because i mean there are a lot of abstract games that work Mm -hmm. but i think there are a lot of games that people uh, don't even like know about because they're just so off the radar for your average person who's coming into a hobby or who doesn't know much about board games beyond monopoly risk and clue Mm. you know it's nice too when you can use uh, art and design to help people's imaginations springboard. Like people that I don't want to say that people that play the board games are maybe not as imaginative as the people that make them, but it's you know some people will say you know when they meet an artist, well I can't draw a stick man, you know. But when you go in, when you go into when you go into a uh, when you go into a board game, if you're not someone that is that creative, then it's nice to have a set of rules and say, like, okay, well. I get to be an animal. Mm-hmm. I'm familiar with animals. So then I don't have to kind of come up with my own idea. Like I can, I can very easily vis- visualize myself as a cat. Cause I know what a cat looks like, you know, like that sort of stuff. Yeah. Well, and you need an entry point. I mean, mm-hmm. I was, uh, I was reading something the other day and it was about something completely different. It was about global warming. Uh, but it was about how the average person, like it's such a big issue yeah. that the average person needs kind of like a porthole by which they can assess or like process a thing so the example it was giving about global warming was like so let's talk about birds like imagine a world without birds and like just explaining that to people like helps them understand how big of a deal it is rather than talking about the whole issue itself and i think that's that way about a lot of things and specifically you know when you're coming into a, a game the the art can inform a lot about what the game um kind of should be like um if it's you know if it's silly if it's serious if um right you know communicate age range or i mean that sort of mm, thing i mean mm-hmm. that's lots of lots of things that, that those things can communicate and it just kind of needs an access point for your average person to get into it i agree and it also your artwork has not only 
uh, graced the cards and the material outside. It also graces it on the board and even down to these really cute meeples that I just love. Are they, are they kind of foamy or are they made out of wood? What are those things? They're, they're wood. They're, they're wood. wood. Um, okay. Yep. Uh, I designed the meeples and things for that game. And we, um, we went back and forth on that, actually. So uh, for um, Vast, for other properties, we have miniatures that we're making. Um, and, you know, the guy who sculpts them uh, off my designs does a great job. Um, Chad Hoverter, um, and Patrick Fahey has also helped us before. And um, they, they do a great job. But with Root, we're like, we're going to have a problem because th- that scale is just not going to work. Like, and this is this is one of like the things that it's interesting about my job is that, like, of course, I'd love to have miniatures of all the things I'm drawing. But right. for gameplay, like, that's a lot of detail that's going to be lost. And we're like, we just need something simple and small they'll communicate effectively but like how can we make it cute or how can we make it i how can we make it iconic um mm-hmm. and uh that's one of the things that people have really liked about root is how kind of iconic those meeples are uh, we made some big huge wood ones that we brought with us to packs unplugged um and people were asking us how to buy them and we're like well they weigh four pounds yeah <laughs> like so um maybe we'll make a different one and then and they'll sell them but people just want the meeples and i thought that's a fun thing because we at first I was really like, oh man, the, the minis would have been so great, but uh, you kind of have to pick your battles and make the best of, of what you get to work with. So yeah, I enjoyed I enjoyed seeing. Uh, I believe it was on uh, on Twitter that you posted some from Pax, and uh, it was it was fun seeing uh, Root giant sized and it like you were people were just like in the map, and those big giant meeples were amazing. <laughs> that. That's like a, oh, the that's map. Such a dream. The map is another story. Did you oh. hear about the map? No, I didn't hear about the so, map. Okay. About the so map. I'll give you the quick anecdote about the map. So we made a map. We made this. We got the files that I had drawn for that board for the for root, um, and we printed it on these beautiful rugs that were you know when you put them together it was a ten foot by ten foot game of root, and it looked great. Well, it looked great in pictures. I never even got to see it in real life because. <laughs> In, in the words of Cole, the designer, he's like, we looked at it and we rolled it up like we'd live forever <laughs> because it because it, it fell off a pallet. It didn't make it. <gasps> oh, no. Back then. And this is like a not only a substantial like monetary investment, but it's like right. this great like this was going to be like our focal thing. Take Aww. pictures on it, play the game on it. And it went away. So Aww. we had the we had the meeples uh, and we had the buildings and everything. Um, and we were like, what we're going to do. And I was on the plane. Um, and to get to Philadelphia and I got off the plane and I'm messaging one of my friends, uh, saying, Oh yeah, we got to get hang out and stuff. And he goes, Oh, have you not talked to your team yet? And I said, no. And he said, get ready to do some arts and crafts. Oh no. <laughs> so, and I thought, what does that mean? So I show up to Philadelphia. It's late. It's dark. It is very cold outside. And my, my guys are in the, uh, in the back of a U-Haul with spray paint bottles that they'd picked up at home Depot. Right. Um, and we we just punk rock freestyled the board. That's we just great. made it in the back of a we made it in the back of a U-Haul. Um, and then the next morning, I came in with a big sharpie and um, drew in some trees and things on there. So the board itself is good for what it was. But I mean, it's the, I mean, we were just talking about making the best of with what you have to work with. So <laughs> the actual <laughs> board is is gone. We don't know where it ended Aww. up. But the punk rock board, the punk rock board was fun. And, Right. Lives on as this funny ah. stenciled spray painted thing that we had to make in the back of a U-Haul. That's a great oh, story. Hey, got it. Yeah. Right. At least it was a great story, though. Come on. That's that's true. You can't beat that. Yep. Maybe we'll see it. Maybe we'll see a return in uh, Route 2. 
when that comes. Yeah, out. maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> so for those who are not board gamers, uh, if you haven't played, and we talk about meeples, it's the little people, of course, that that the little avatars of your characters, and there's also something called chits. And the first time somebody told me about chits, I'm like, what? I don't think so. That's not a real word. So, so I do see some. I see. I see you did the artwork for the chits as well, which are just the little tiles. Yep, uh, yep. chits and tokens and tokens. I see you got I see, icons and buildings. And I, see, uh, yep. I see. I uh, see. How many? What's how many sided dice is on there? I see. Am I seeing a bunch of dice? Or is it so, so here's another good story about dice. I have a good story about everything. Right. So, um, the uh, <laughs> so the dice, the dice that we needed to use for root for the combat are uh they're originally four-sided dice so numbered zero to three so zero one two three okay. um and people hate four-sided dice yes they hate them <laughs> so we uh because we were posting all i mean as our one of our philosophies at leader games is to be really transparent about what we're working on so we post you know design updates and that sort of thing on board game geek for people to for, to follow along sometimes people print off stuff and test it for us but Almost unanimously, people were like, "I hate four-sided dice. Mm-hmm. Like, I won't, I won't get your game if we get four-sided dice." So the actual dice for root are still numbered zero to three, but they are twelve-sided dice that just repeat those. Oh, repeat that's those that, that is smart. So yeah, it's I'll the same, you, but they yeah. roll, they roll around a little bit better. Exactly, it's something so unsatisfactory about throwing down a four-sided dice. I mean, it just it just see, but bonk. I'm in the other camp though. I like four-sided dice because I mean, you go to Vegas and yeah. all those dice are sharp and they don't roll very well, and that's because you get better better random results that way. But people don't like that; they want a roly-poly. Twelve sided die, so that's what they get. It's what it's, I don't know. Is that's, that's one of the things I like about twenty sided dice is they roll so well, and it feels like it's yeah. like it feels more random. But you're probably you're right. It is the statistically, I'm sure, is probably not, but it gives you that feeling. But, There's one more thing in the game that I want to uh, I want to comment on real quick too. Is I I love uh, the character sheets that I've seen. Uh, those are a lot of fun. Um, so. Can you just give me a quick rundown of how much is is am I creating my character and I'm giving him uh and I'm giving him specs and everything there, like D&D? Uh, nope, nope, not okay. on this one. Um, so this one you're controlling usually a faction. There's okay. one, there's one role that's like an individual character. But it's most part you're controlling a team, and the roles uh-huh. are pretty, yeah, are pretty set. Um, we actually uh, do have um, with Magpie Games. Uh, they're making a role playing game based on Root, though, so that's coming out. I think this oh. next year, um, so people can play in that same world, but uh, more as like a D and D or tabletop role playing game cool. format. So excited about that. One more thing about um, we can still talk about it, but just for my question, no, no problem. Uh, if I'm interested in getting the game, where's the best place to get it? <laughs> Um, well, how good are you at swimming and can you speak Chinese? I can um, totally we, uh, do that. And when can I have it? Can I have it now, please? No, it's okay. coming in January. So we, um, we sold, so we did our Kickstarter and fulfilled all of that. And then we brought everything we had at that time to Gen Con and sold all of it. That's oh. uh, a big convention in Indianapolis. And then we had some left and we brought everything that we had left to PAX Unplugged last week and sold all of that. So we are sold out in North America. Um, if you want to get it, you can go to leadergames.com and pre-order for a couple more days. I think, uh, if that's closed, it'll hit retail in January. Right. So, cause that's, there's the base game. And then we also have an expansion that adds otters and lizards and a bunch of that's bonus cool. stuff. All right. So 
couple of things. Uh, Leader Games, by the way, is spelled L-E-D-E-R, listener. Uh, yeah, it's like uh, Lederhosen. Right, Lederhosen. Um, uh, we we joked around a little bit about um, making uh, the the name of the company Leaderspiel, which would be Leader Games in German. Um, but uh, it would also literally translate in English to leather play. Oh, which interesting. Uh, <laughs> which, com- which communicates a very different idea. So and, Leader Games, it will stay. And they definitely would, would not get up on Tumblr with that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That'd be not Tumblr friendly. Okay, so. One last question about the route. I said I was done, but then I thought for just a second, because January, I'm like, oh, this reminds me of the time when I was just a kid and I really wanted the Star Wars toys and you couldn't get them yet, but they sold these little stupid cards so that you could get them for Christmas morning. Can I get like a card like for Christmas morning, like a (laughs) pre-order? I think if you go to our site, they have stuff like that. All right. Cool. Um, it's just lead, leadergames.com leadergames. to do a pre-order that way. Excellent. That's what I'm going to do then. I'm going to do that while Joel asks the next question. I'm going to, I'm going to look right now, as a matter of fact. Pre-order. Oh, I wanted to get under the hood and, and ask you about your process of, of taking one of these characters from, you know, concept through through final art. So when you are meeting with your team and you're discussing the, the kind of characters, like, do, do you come up with the idea of making these animals or is it like a group consensus? No, so I'm really, I'm really lucky. Um, we, uh, a lot of the time, um, board games get made by designers and then the designers go to publishers and then the publishers shop around for artists to contract the work for. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of times the idea is really set um, or, or like really kind of baked in. And then the artist will have to figure out based on somebody else's vision. Um, what we try to do and what I hope more people will see is working for us um, is because I work on staff, leader games that i got to be involved with all the theming from like the beginning so um i got to work with cole on on like how we were going to approach like the anthropomorphic animals um and and, uh you know the like the the way that the board is themed to be like autumn or fall uh that informed like the color decisions of the suits of cards are are red orange and yellow um, because that matches the different kinds of trees. And so all of those things, I think, create a little bit more of a holistic experience because I get to be involved uh, from the very beginning. Um, there's a few other people I know that get to work like that, but most of it is contracted out. So we're hoping that the success of Root will will show other small studios like, hey, maybe we should get a non-staff person. Because I know a lot of people who who work you know, on contract and that Man, that can be rough. That can be. That's a lot of stress. Some people love it, but I'm I'm super glad I'm not doing that right now. <laughs> yeah, well, as someone that does work full time contract, I can I can uh, vote in that corner of how stressful it can be from from time to time. I uh, I like how more and more studios seem to be open to full time remote work as opposed to just contract. It's it's a really cool thing to see because it it just you get so much more out of your artist when you can offer a stable situation and when you involve an artist from the very beginning then i mean like you're probably more excited about root than you would have been if someone had just kind of showed you the idea completely thought out and just said hey draw this right right and i've worked that way too but i mean i'm the kind of person that always tries to get my fingerprints on it mm. <laughs> so if yeah, they say course. hey this is this is what we're going to do then i say "Ooh," or and and sometimes they say no and you go, all right and then you do it, <laughs> you, do it. <laughs> you ask them to do it anyway but um there's no yeah, octopus it's, it's in, in the woods, Kyle. You can't yeah. do that. <laughs> but I, uh, no, I'm super lucky to, to work where I am, especially when my coworkers show me the, the snowstorms and things I'm like, boy, it snows here, but I'm glad I'm not in St. Paul this weekend. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 so I, go ahead. 
Well, no, say, say, well, while we're talking about the, like the, the initial start of it, like when you start working, like what, what kind of stuff do you normally go to? Do you go straight to a sketchbook? Do you work on a, on a tablet? Uh, I have a sketchbook with me pretty much all the time. Um, it's just nine, nine by 12 white paper sketchbook that I get from my local hobby store. And the hobby store probably wonders why they only restock three sizes of Prismacolor <laughs> pens, but I'm the guy who comes in and buys all their pens. Uh, and because it's a craft store, I get a 40% discount off one item and I live close enough that I just go buy a single pen every time I go down there. So I'm, I'm that guy. Yep. Right. So I just pen, pen and paper most of the time is the, the way I'm working. Um, I do color digitally, uh, but my process is usually uh, pen and paper. Um, with Root, I did a lot of pencil under drawings uh, just because I wanted to get some composition stuff a certain way. But with Vast, our other title, um, I do direct pen to paper. I don't do pencil sketches first because I kind of want to evoke uh, the old school second edition D&D feel mm-hmm. of like uh, kind of just really bold lines and kind of weird designs. Um, so, yeah, but most of the time I'm just working pen to paper. I, I don't have a portable digital setup. I do have a computer that I'm coloring on. Um, but, yeah, so most, if I'm out and about, especially just sketchbook. Right. Now, how are you how are you getting all that uh, inky goodness into uh, into digital form? Are you using a flatbed scanner of a large immense size? Nope. I just draw small and scan big. So uh, uh, I really um, and you'll be able to see this. I mean, if you're you're looking at uh, any of the root art is that I really uh, am passionate about. Uh, line weight and paper texture and some of those things that seem dumb but um like i don't know i've I've drawn completely digitally and i'm trying to kind of brush up on inking digitally and things but it just looks like somebody else drew it like it just looks different if i ink digitally versus if i ink traditionally Um, and i think part of that is that um, when I took printmaking classes, my professor would say the inherent charm of the medium, mm-hmm. which means that, you know, if your pen skips in a spot or if it bleeds in a spot, that's that's part of how it looks. You know, that's part of mm-hmm. what makes it what it is. And, and you yeah. know, so pen bleed, pen skips, paper texture showing up in your lines, all those things are things that I like, um, especially for something that's going to end up being tactile. So, I mean, I like smooth, you know, design stuff on the computer, but especially with, you know, board games or touchscreen things or whatever, I really like texture because you're going to touch those things. You know, that's going to be something that you're going to be holding in your hand and moving around. And I like that aesthetic um, for that, for that format. And I think it's the right choice too, because like you said, it, it marries it to the paper and the material and it just, it seems to well i i really like it i i kind of guessed as much uh mm. and 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 i i really dig the synergy that's coming from that it's a nice it's a nice disconnect too because when you are gathering around a table to play a board game hopefully everybody's got their phone off or not even at the table with them and people are just hanging out and engaging with friends and family and if it was a very digital feeling or looking game it would almost not feel as i don't want to say quaint but like it wouldn't feel as homey is intimate you know because isn't that yeah is that what a lot of us are using especially of our generation we're using these board games and card games to get away uh from the slickness and the digital and to, to just get away from all that hubbub and well that's, local. that's my hope you know yeah. that's my hope is that because i i really love board games i love tabletop games and i think 
you know, if, if what they're doing at like target and Walmart where they're trying to get exclusive, exclusive deals on stuff mm-hmm. where like, you can only buy, you know, fog of love at Walmart or whatever, you know, they're trying to do those things because like they're seeing a resurgence in that. Like I yes. talked to the, somebody from target who was saying, you know, what we're looking for is outdoor like sports equipment and like family stuff mm-hmm. and board games and card games, because we're seeing more and more people who just kind of have this electronics overload Yeah, where, you know, they have video games already, but they want to sit around a table to play something, you know, with their families or whatever. And there are more and more people are learning. Hey, like, oh, I don't like board games, but I've only played Monopoly. And, it, you know, once their friend, you know, introduces them to something else, like, oh, actually, this is fun. Or like, oh, actually, you can play this in less than two hours and you don't have to be sad half the time. Right. Or like, <laughs> there's things like that where people are coming over a little yeah, bit where yeah. they're saying, oh, like, uh, maybe there's something that I might like or, or something Absolutely. for me. I'm curious. Um, I'm curious about the energy of this and and how how far this counterculture will kind of go if it's here to stay. I certainly hope it is. I'm I personally am getting some uh, some vinyl and a turntable for Christmas to kind of get away <laughs> just a little bit. You know? Well, I, I I hope it keeps going. I mean, specifically about board games. I mm-hmm. think the I read uh, recently that last year that there were about like three thousand new entries on wow. Board Game Geek for new games, and that's like right. almost ten a day. Like that's Man. That's bananas. You'll you'll never be able to play all of those. And there's this inclination when you are a new board game hobbyist mm-hmm. to try and get everything. Yes. Um, and so I th- I think we're a little bit on one side of a bubble in terms of people. Soon as like more and more people get involved, and it becomes a more hu- homogenous, ubiquitous hobby, the same way video games are, where it's like oh everybody does that. Um, I think people are going to start to get more picky. Yeah. Uh, and that's why I really feel strongly about trying to make unique things and not just making things because somebody else did and, and it worked for them because, you know, it's going to get to a point and it's gotten to this point with my board game collection where it's like, Ooh, that looks like a fun racing game. Mm-hmm. And then I look at my cabinet and I say, but I have two racing games <laughs> <laughs> and like how much better does it have to be or right. how different does it have to be? Or in my context, what, you know, is the art something that I just want to have, you know, and because and, that'll help me decide what things I keep, what things I sell, what things uh, have staying power. Right. It's funny. I come down on that side, too, when I'm looking at potentially new board games. I, I The art really affects how, how I feel about a game and whether or not I want to pick it up. Regardless, I don't know. I don't own many. I think I might own two or three board games total. Uh, but it's one of those things where you sweet summer child, I know. Right. Well, I just, it's, I, you know, live alone and I live a digital life. So I I don't, you know, I don't have, I don't have access a lot of times I play, but it's the people that own them. My friends that own the, own the (laughs) the games, but it's one of those things where when I looked at something like one of the, one of the most recent games I picked up for myself is uh, unstable unicorns. It was Mm, kickstarted last year. And, uh, I just, I find the art so appealing. It's it's simple, but it's it really the sense of humor and it reminds me in a lot of ways, I guess, uh, about Munchkin, just in kind of that that quirky kind of like silliness. Uh, and, well, and there's but, kind of a there's kind of a genre there, you know. There's like filler games. There's other. I mean, there's um, uh, exploding kittens and bears mm-hmm. versus babies and uh, those games from the oatmeal, um, where they're sort of fast, swingy, um, and you know, usually humor related games. But but I mean, that's that's the sort of thing I'm talking about, where it's like. Unstable Unicorns has to set itself apart with unique art that captivates you because it's getting to a point where there are other similar enough games that that you're that people are going to get picky. 
Yeah. Right. Gonna, well, they obviously did a good job. I'm not sure how many yeah. million the Kickstarter did, but it was like yeah. it, it was either, it was the biggest Kickstarter that year or one of the biggest Kickstarters ever or something. It was right. crazy. Right. And I still think, I don't, like I said, I still think we're on this side of that bubble. I don't think yeah. we've gotten to that point yet where people aren't just kind of getting everything. But, I, I agree. But it's uh, it's good. I haven't played that one yet. I will say, but it it is very cute. And you you had mentioned uh, boardgamegeek.com, which is a place I go to. Pretty frequently, it's, it's, a, it's a great resource. Uh, it's a great resource and yeah. a blast from the past. Uh, it looks like somebody's GeoCities. Like it, exactly. it's a little bit intimidating when you get in there to be like, "How old is this website?" But it's um, it's it, good. It it, and it does a lot of good for us, you know, because people who are involved in the hobby from a developer designer standpoint, mm-hmm. they're super active on there to try and give feedback or try out your stuff. It's also great um, because, I mean, when you Google most sports games or when you, whatever you said, yeah. not Google. Duck, 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 go. <laughs> when, when you, when you when, duck, when duck, privacy go. privacy matters. Um, yeah. Usually one of your, usually one of your first results is going to be Board Game Geek uh, because it's just, it'll tell you player count. It'll yes. tell you how long to play. It'll tell you reviews and all that sort of thing and um, rankings. And uh, it, it's good. It, it looks a little bit intimidating. So I'll say, if you haven't been there before, go there yeah. and realize that it looks that way because it's been around for a long yeah. time. <laughs> and it's not, so. it, it's not, it's not ad heavy either. As a matter of fact, they, they, sur- they survive on support. So they're running their you know, year in support right now. Uh, probably try to kick some money their way because surely we're not at the peak because board game geek has not sold out yet. And up- no. updated their page for me, like you said, for anything from. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll see. Right. No. We'll see if they ever do. It's but uh, yeah, I like that. The ads are usually focused on like board game kickstarters and yes. things that are live, so it's it's good. It's a very encapsulated space. Agreed. But now uh, I want to I want to ask. We haven't heard from Matt because Matt uh, dropped off from the connection for a minute, but he's supposed to be back now. And I don't know how much of the conversation he's caught, but I I, I would like to hear if he's playing any board games or if he's more like old school Monopoly uh, life kind of thing. Well. Yeah, I, I don't actually do much board game playing. I'm kind of a right. <laughs> little bit of a shut-in, but uh, even can better. you guys hear me? Yeah, even better. All the more reason. <laughs> uh, shut-in people love board games, I think. <laughs> well, and we well, have solo things, games, too. Right? <laughs> what was that? I'm, no I'm more, of a, more of a tabletop role-play guy, so right. when I am with people, that's what I tend to do. Excellent. But uh, I, I do enjoy board games when I do play them. Right. So. But I didn't need to ask if if, uh, Kyle had any favorite games growing up. What what bit you to give you this board game bug? Um, Honestly, and you're going to laugh because you just said tabletop games, but Dungeons and Dragons. Yes. so I uh, I grew up, you know, playing kind of the ones that were in grandma's closet, like board games like Clue and Risk and, and things. Played a lot of Risk. Mm-hmm. Um, but as a teenager, I had some neighbors introduced me to D&D um, and just loved it. You know, it was this weird new thing that was very, you know, good for a creative person with spare time like me right. um, or not spare time. <laughs> and um I uh, really love D&D, uh, and then as uh, an adult on Twitter, I got, you know, I would say, hey, I'll draw your D&D party or your whatever. Nice. Uh, and and it was through that that I eventually got to working on board games. Um, I did some spot illustrations for Dungeon World, which is an RPG, um, and uh, 
that led to a, a specific picture I did that was just a wall of goblins. Ooh. And um, that got used by David Somerville, one of the creators of Vast. Um, he used that as kind of placeholder art when he was shopping his game around. And so when that game came to Leader Games, my name came along with it as like, check nice. this guy out, see if he'll do it. And so that's, I yeah, I owe a lot to, to D&D. And I still play it pretty much every weekend. Um, we actually have a game at the office that we <laughs> we play that I DM. So um, it's through yeah, a lot of stuff through D through D and um, I learned to play 3.5, and then fourth edition is how I converted all my friends from board games to play to play D and D, and then we play some other tabletop stuff that we like, and then still play fifth uh, edition. So right, yeah, I I kind of dropped off for a while, but I got back in it at fifth edition, uh, and I I feel comfortable with that now and actually i'd stopped playing for i haven't played in a while uh but i i heard my stocking may contain a starter set to get back into uh into the gaming so we're gonna see how that goes Ooh, see Ooh. i actually got to do a a, a dream project recently um oh. so I, I illustrated a game for wizards of the coast so uh nice. it's a little it's a kid's game called dungeon mayhem and it's a D D setting where you just it's a skirmish game you play cards against each other just a little short game it's super cute um but i got to do that so i, I my name's on an actual D D thing now congratulations like, nice yeah. very cool and you can so pick the, this up at walmart of all places not that you should but well you can get it anywhere right. <laughs> get it from your local hobby store that's where you right. should get it yeah but Absolutely. i must warn you if you do play it your three-year-old might ask to play it every day which is the nah. case at my house right now <laughs> nice so i'm curious with you dming a a tabletop D game at a company that makes board games is it all pen and paper and imagination or do you guys have a lot of cool accessories and like um, vertical <laughs> models and all kinds of stuff so at my house, I have minis and I have a little like a map with a whiteboard nice. and things. Um, but we for the for work, we just do theater of the mind. Um, I've used I've used Roll20 um, or some other programs online, but we, we keep it pretty fast and loose. We're playing like maybe two hours on a mm. Friday kind of thing. So we're, we're we're doing it pretty, pretty yeah, uh, fast and loose. I um, I used to do a lot of stuff where you know I would draw my own maps, I would draw characters, and I do all that stuff for my my players. Uh, I still do that a little bit, but I kind of decided a year or two ago that I need to have a hobby that wasn't illustration. So <laughs> I <laughs> yeah, your hobby so shouldn't be also your day job, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I needed to have a little bit, and so I still do that a tiny bit. But it's nice to have kind of a a different thing that I like doing that that isn't art all the time. So. Right. Mm. So it sounds like you gave us some uh, some very organic advice. If you're if you're listening, listener, and you're like, "Wow, I'd like to do uh, what Kyle is doing," he's kind of giving you a little look into his history, what he's did. Do you have uh, any additional advice for uh, people looking to get into the board game business, other than you know being amazing? Um, I would. That's so tricky because I feel like I'm the only person who has the job this like this exact way. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it's like kill me and take my yeah. So um my 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 basic advice would just be if you want to illustrate board games, then make a board game or find a designer who's looking for an artist. And Board Game Geek might be a good place to start doing that. There's also a pretty good community on Twitter of board game designers and board game marketers and stuff. Um if you live near uh, or close enough to go to conventions and things um, like uh, like a PAX or a Gen Con or an Origins or one of those ones, 
Um, a lot of them have um, Unpub, which is like uh, an organization that uh, has people who play test their unpublished games oh. and designers will come and like give you feedback or you can shop them around with people. And that, that would be a great place to meet people you know, as an artist to say, Hey, I'm interested. Here's my, you know, I have a portfolio. Um, and, and I'm interested in that sort of thing. Um, you can also take, uh, you know, part of my, uh, education, I went to, to school, um, just at a, you know, a local place, but, um, we well, I'll tell you where it's Weber State University, the Harvard of the West. Yeah, uh, and um, we, uh, I, I kind of made my degree about games. So like we had to do like our BFA thesis and everything. And um, I took a game, and it's not a very good game, but I illustrated it. I did all the pieces, and components, and um, spot illustrations for rule books and stuff, and that was it. And then I took a deck of face cards, and I drew like. Um, my own versions of the face cards oh, and I put that great. in my portfolio. So my student portfolio was a lot about game stuff, but all of it was like public domain or stuff that I had made up or, you know, that's, things like that. You don't want to like, yeah, that's smart. step on anybody's toes. That's, but. that's smart because it keeps you away from, like you said, like, you know, copyrighted material, which is the de facto thing. A lot of young artists want to do. It's like, Oh, well here I'll draw, you know, something that already exists, but you're talking about using, using the story that was written and is in public domain to showcase your ability to translate that into something. That's, that's great advice. Right. Right. And yeah, you just want to show that you can work within parameters, right. You know, and that, that, that's something that you like doing because, and, and then for me, that's, that's how I have to work. If somebody says you can do whatever you want, then I give myself <laughs> parameters because I yeah. like, if I have, if I have rules then I know how far that I can work within them and I can ask to break them. And if they're my own rules, then I always get permission to break them. But right. I have to, to start from somewhere. So I like that. Excellent. So also I'd like to ask, uh, we're getting around 15 minutes till. And I feel like we've, we've talked a lot about the board games and everything. And you're amazing, Kyle. I love your work. Is there anything new and exciting upcoming that you would like to tease in other words what does the next five years look like the next five months five minutes what do you got <laughs> um well uh our next game that's coming out is vast the mysterious manor um it's like a haunted house game where you can play as the haunted house oh. um everybody's playing against each other um clever it, it's turning out it's turning out great i'm working on the cards for that right now all the miniatures and things have been designed um we did demo it at um the convention last week um, people, people are excited about it. So yeah, please check out vast, the mysterious manner that there's a pre-order on our site at leadergames.com for that one too. Um, and that, that one gives you like a bunch of expansions and stuff if you get it early. So definitely check that out if you're interested. Um, and then, um, yeah, just, I'm going to keep doing stuff with, with leader games with Cole, with Patrick leader with, um, with that team. And we got some stuff in the pipeline that I'm really, really excited about. Excellent. Um, there's a kind of a genre of games called legacy games mm -hmm. um, where you tear them up as you go. You basically play it once and throw it away. Uh, and it's, yeah. It, oh, it's a controversial <laughs> type of game. Some people love them. Some people hate them. We are, um, we're working on a game kind of adjacent to that genre. I don't want to give too much away, but it's, it's something that will basically change the more you play it. And I'm right. really excited for that project. So um, keep an eye on leader games, follow me on Twitter and you'll be able to see kind of process on that. Cause right. I post everything. I'm not the kind of person who does like, Oh, it's a secret. And now it's like, I, 
I'm like, here's what I doodled this morning. And <laughs> so you can see it that way. I am. I am so fickle about games. I, I it blows my mind. I know about legacy games, but I, I don't. I kind of stay away from that kind of thing because it just blows my mind to think that I'm locked in to change this way. But I guess D and D is kind of like that. If you have a long running, if you have a long yeah. campaign. I guess <laughs> it just freaks it, me it's out. It's this weird thing because like yeah. the idea is like, oh, I'm only going to play this once. That's not worth it. And it's like, but also you might play this game. But in the one time you play it, you know, it's over the course of 20 hours with yeah, some people. Yeah. And you're you're not going to get that kind of experience from a game not like that. So it's a toss up. You know, yeah, it's it a, this is the kind of conversations we have at work every day where, where it's like, you know, you have a game that costs four dollars and you play it a million times versus a game that costs one hundred dollars and you play it twice. Right. Like, but 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 there's like there's a value associated with like how much you're getting out of it or like right. how like what the quality is of it. So I don't know. It's a, it's a weird, it's a weird right. balance to try and strike. And it's a, it's a weird, cool job. It I is, like my job. So. That's great. I'm, I'm very excited. I, I, I love talking to people who love their job. It is so refreshing uh, because in the really real world, people are miserable, but on here on this show, we only talk to happy people. <laughs> I can tell you about when Satisfied. I used to work in jobs that made me miserable, but it might right. not. I have some funny <laughs> stories, but it might not be what you're looking for. Excellent. Oh, I I didn't mean to. I I did skip one thing I wanted to talk about, and I don't, uh, actually Joel wants to talk about uh, some of the things as well. I might lead into it, and then maybe uh, Joel can follow up. I'm going to talk about let's sure. talk, let's talk color. Uh, I I love your. You kind of talked a little bit about it so far. Some of it has to do with breaking it down and simplifying it for uh, the board game itself. Uh, and so, do you have any theories on colors? And you said you have some education. Are you classically trained in color? Did you take two semesters of yeah, color theory? Yeah, color theory, yeah. Yes. Yep, matching paint chips with the names cut off and all kinds yeah. of stuff. Um, we, board games is such an interesting space to talk about color. And I don't need to, I don't want to bust into a separate entire tirade. But um, I, I love, you know, especially with Root, like I really tried to embrace kind of this autumn format. Because mm. for me autumn and winter time like that's that's board game card game yeah. peak season like you know like i can hear the the football team <laughs> like it's close enough to my house i can hear the the band out my window that time of year and it's like ah fall so i wanted to make a game that kind of captured that and so that really informed a lot of the color uh decisions um i work with uh like watercolor washes that i've made myself that i use for overlays and that's just more to evoke kind of that paper texture stuff that we talked about already um, but in board games, it's this interesting thing where you got to worry about usability, right? Um, because people are interacting with those objects. And so like a good example of that is trying to make your game colorblind friendly mm-hmm. because, uh, there's, I don't, I don't know if any of you are colorblind. We work with a couple of people who have yeah. different kinds of colorblindness. And I've learned a lot since I've started this job um about colorblindness like uh, there's lots of different kinds of colorblindness and it's not all red green and some people you know it's more black and white and some people have different things so when we talk about what colors to make our components like when you have to identify them on a board it's not just about what looks nice Mm -hmm. um it's also about um incorporating secondary information so like with our meeples for root like the cats are orange but they're also shaped differently than the mouse meeples that are, you know, have rounded ears and are a little bit shorter. Um, because, you know, there's some people who look at orange and green and have a hard time telling them apart. So you have to have other information that accompanies that 
Um, and you have to be cognizant of, of those decisions. You know, you can't just only rely on color to be able to um, right. let people play your board game. Um, so that's, yeah, I, I really love color and it's been an interesting space to work in um, to make considerations that I've never had to make before. You know, it's a lot of, you know, trying to think about how other people are going to perceive something because right. I went to school and, you know, I had to make considerations for like, Oh, how will this print differently? Or how, oh, how will this look different on a, on a screen versus paper? But like, I'd never had to consider other people's yeah. um, like visual, yeah. visual abilities uh, exactly. before. So, yeah, I didn't learn that either until later in my career as well. And then I worked with someone who was colorblind. I'm like, Oh, I've been so selfish. I've been <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, exactly. It's that. Yeah. So, Something that I noticed when I was going through some of your your work on Tumblr uh, is a lot of the pieces are either one color or they feel like one color, even though they they might have a, a range. When did you start doing pieces where it's just like your your ink work and then just one really bold uh, primary color? Um. Well, when I was learning to color digitally, um, I follow a guy named Richie Pope. He's an amazing, amazing illustrator. And, you know, I'm always looking for things that I can assimilate and, and you know, take bits and pieces from. Uh, and he showed an example of a piece that he did, of, I think a cat that had, I mean, cats again, but a, a cat with like com- compasses for eyes or something. Anyway, I, I know what it looks like. I could draw it for you on this picture that you're looking at right now. Um, but uh <laughs> He, he showed that even though he was working digitally, that he mixed all his colors the same way that you would on a palette. So he had, you know, white, green, and blue, but every value that he was using was a mixture of um, those colors together. So, like, even though it was an entire piece that looked like it had a whole bunch of colors, it was really just a mixture of a certain white, a certain black, a certain green, and a certain blue. And I just thought, that's awesome. Like, that, that's incredible. And so... Um, Root is entirely created from one palette that is a certain yellow, a certain red, a certain blue, and black and white. Um, and so all of the all of the secondary colors, every every red or every sorry, every purple, every green, um, every orange is a mixture. Uh, every gray, everything is a mixture of those like four or five um, colors. Right. And so I was able to keep it just really consistent and kind of keep it. I don't know because it almost informs a mood, right? right? And so when you're when you're looking at all of the cards together, it's it creates kind of one. It's still one piece, you know. They're all part mm. of the same thing. Um, and then you didn't. Have, well, then we ended up without any really disparate elements, you know. When like because uh, there are some games that are really really nice but not very attractive. And right. one of those uh, one of the things that creates that kind of uh, feeling for me is when the elements look like they don't go together. When it looks like you have like a really nice board and then dumb pieces or like, <laughs> like, right. you know, a, a black and white grid with, with, you know, things you're working on. And so we really tried to keep it by using one palette to keep it in all one space. Um, and so when, uh, when I color that way, it's because I kind of want to see what it looks like if like by imposing a limitation. So let's say I'm only going to use black, white and red. Um, and, and then I do it that way to see like, oh, do I need more? Because if I don't, then I just leave it that way. Um, and if I do, then I can get really specific on like, what else does it need? Um, and, and so that's kind of why I do it that way. 
I don't know if that answered your question. I, I, that no, it does. That no, that's fantastic. Rambling. No, that's exactly <laughs> what I was what I was getting at. I mean, and I like that some of the I think it might be from the Haunted Mansion uh, game. Some of those images are really nice too. It reminds me of an old uh, animated short that I saw years ago about Vikings, and it was the same idea. They were all it was like on oh, I can't remember it was it? not Fumco Bot. It was Federator. Do you guys yeah, remember yeah, Federator? Oh yeah, yep. Channel Federator is still around. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. Channel Federator had this short about Vikings, and it was this weird music video. And but they were, they were just solid colors. There was no shading, and they would just be like red or orange or blue or green. And they would just, they would walk around that way. And and it just it had a very graphic feel to it, but it was still very heavily illustrated. So you can still still see all the like with your work, you can still see all the brush lines. And it's obviously it's one of those things that looks like dig, like a, just a flat digital color, but on top of a of a hand drawn you know, uh, doodle. And especially as you said, like where you can look at these and realize like he drew that small and he's scanned it and made it ginormous. And it's awesome because you can see so much of the, even like you say the paper texture, but I can even see in some cases, like where the nib of the pen is probably not. Oh yeah. Or my brush pens all jacked up from use. Yeah. Yeah. um, (laughs) There's a, there's an artist I really like who's named Jeffrey Allen love. Um, and most of his work is ink paper, just ink on paper. But, and so he's really, his only communication that he's, that he's using is silhouette and texture. Uh, and boy, it's just incredible. It's, it's really stuff. Check it's really good stuff. Check out Jeffrey Allen love. Um, he does a lot of kind of like Viking, um, and, and other things. I think he just uh, put a book out too, but, um, I mean, and so that, that's, I really like that kind of evocative silhouette, oh, yeah. evocative, you know, pose because I mean, that's what we're going for with the board games, especially is iconic. So like you, you look at something and you know, it's from this thing or, you know, it goes to, to that. So that's, Love it. that's my hope at least and, and now <laughs> learning, I've got, mo- learning more every day. So. Right. And I've got new things to check out too. I'm just checked out uh, Jeffrey Holland. Love that's some amazing looking work as well as I hit uh, Richie Pope.tumblr.com. You were probably on Tumblr updating your website when I was, you know? When you accidentally saw, oh, who's this guy? What's he doing? He's good. I like it. Uh, yeah, he's amazing. I'll keep that. I'll also put a, I'll put a link in the show notes for those people. Looking All right. These are that. people who don't know me either, so it's yeah. not name dropping. It's just yeah. me being a fan. <laughs> exactly. It's like DuckDuckGo. They don't pay me anything okay. to, to give them love. <laughs> it's just I appreciate their privacy uh, concerns that they're worried about me. And in, in return, I worry about them. So absolutely. So it's almost Christmas. I got to ask you just a real quick question before we move on to the last question ever, which, by the way, Matt will ask. Uh, it's almost here. It's almost Christmas. We all are artists here, craftsmen, if you will. So give me, uh, is there a pros and cons list of making gifts, uh, using your talents for presents? Because I find I'm lazy when it comes to making gifts for people. I go, you know what would be easier? Just getting some socks. <laughs> See, my problem is that my family doesn't care anymore. Right. So, like, if when I when I was dating my wife, I could you know draw her something for Valentine's Day. I can't get away with that anymore. Like, <laughs> like, I try to get work. You do, like you do that all day. Yeah. So, right. uh, and then my kids, yeah, they're they're my mini art directors. And one of the reasons that they're cats and animals is because they just have me draw cats on everything already. Um, right. But so yeah, I don't get away with that. Uh, <laughs> I don't get away with that very much. Um, if if it has like a really like if there's a specific thing, so like my little brother just joined his D and D club in high school, 
Uh, and so he just made his first character. And um, so I'm drawing his character for him for Chris Smith. So that'll be part of his present. But for the most part, I don't really offer that unless people ask where right, <laughs> right. it comes up. And I don't do caricatures. I don't like when, that on the record. I don't like when they uh, ask. I'm like, I wasn't, uh, pla- I wasn't planning to spend that much for you this Christmas. I wasn't planning yeah. on spending six hours of my time. Yeah, for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> yep, there's that aspect too. Right, so, you were getting. I, I do Christmas cards and stuff. Yeah, but. that's different. That's that's for yeah. yourself, right? Or yeah, is that for the mostly. people? Yeah, yeah, for, yeah, yeah, for yourself. Excellent, excellent. So, Matt, please uh, usher us on out of this interview, if you don't mind. Well, sure. I mean, you already kind of started, but uh, right, you gave us a couple artists that uh, we didn't know about before. Are there any others that we should know? Educate us. Okay, uh, so I'll name drop. I'll name drop this time because I do know this person. So um, I'd recommend checking out Nick Nazaro. Um, he works for a company called Lay Waste Games, um, and they make a few games like uh, Dragoon and uh, Human Era and some other ones. And we were always by them at conventions and things. Uh, they're great people. But Nick is their illustrator, uh, and he's great. He has a really interesting graphic style. Um, it, it's kind of like, I don't know, it's almost like old school poster art. Yes. Um, so it's, it, it makes a really interesting, um, uh, kind of space for board games. Um, he, he was at this last convention, he was drawing on people's boxes and things for him and, uh, r- really love his stuff. Nick Nazaro, um, dot com, or, uh, he's on Twitter as the Nazaro that's N A Z Z A R O. Uh, he's a good friend. We've done, uh, lots of uh panels and things and conventions together where we'll do like drawing battles or just talk yeah. about y'all don't, stealing y- photoshop or whatever right. y'all don't so. have similar styles but i could see your styles matching it's it's good it's not similar it's well just you know in that vein yeah and we met because i saw somebody carrying one of his games at a convention and i that looked so different and i was like right. where did you get that and i said over here and so i went and found him and We've been best friends ever since. It was actually one of his colleagues was the one who went to Home Depot to buy us wood for our giant root mess up. So it's been a mutually beneficial relationship. (laughs) But yeah, definitely recommend checking out Nick Nazaro. Uh, He does a lot of great um, posters and funny things and games. So Got him. Perfect. Hey, that's great. Thank you so much, Kyle, for being on the show with us. We've, We've thoroughly enjoyed it. Good. I'm happy to be here. I've enjoyed it too. So. Out of your own mouth, one last time, tell people where they can go visit you on the yep. internet. Kyle, Kyle Farron, my name, right. <laughs> just kylefarron.tumblr.com or kylefarronart.tumblr.com. Or you can find me on Twitter, Kyle Farron, or on Facebook, Kyle Farron. So that's F-E-R-R-I-N. Well, once learned that in the dictionary, that means to be killed by a riverboat. I don't <laughs> think that's to, to, to be killed by a ferry, but... uh <laughs> <laughs> F-E-R-R-I-N is me. So. You've been farrand end. All right, yep. th- Kyle, thank you so much. I, I know we're going to have you back on the show because you ha- are, have so many exciting new projects coming up, and I want to hear later on how the whole uh, route went down. I, I'm looking forward to getting mine. Uh, I've already I've, I've looked. I'm, I'm on uh, leadergames.com. I'm looking there. I actually went to Amazon just to just to see if it'd be easier for me, but it's more expensive there. I'm not doing yeah, that. It's, yeah, it's supply and demand. It's yeah, marked up right now. So, so get, it, get it from us for sure. Get it direct right. if you can. Make some more money there too. Uh, I'd also like to thank uh, Joel Duggan of Starcrossed Online and Forge Publishing tonight. Joel, thank you for being on the show. 
where can people hey no you? problem man it's it's always always a pleasure to be here especially when we have some great guests in the last few weeks uh you can check out forgepublishing.com that's what i'm going to plug this week and that is because we're sold out of piper's books wait oh. what why am i telling you to nice. go there if we're sold out i want to thank everybody if you've been listening to the show and you've happened to go and, and pick up a book, uh, we printed a lot and they are gone. And it is a okay. really cool feeling and a, and a cool benchmark as a publisher to sell out of your, your first yeah, publication. Of you. Yeah, it's very cool. Uh, Piper's been very busy. She hasn't been able to celebrate. She's doing some client works, but she she kind of emailed me quickly and says, have deadline. We'll reply later. Right. <laughs> but she was like, you know, all smiles. Uh, but there are still a, lo- a number of prints and note cards on Forge Publishing. So just because the book is gone doesn't mean you can't take home some of Piper's art. And some of that stuff has a time limit because it's Christmas related, mm-hmm. like Christmas cards. Right. So I was talking to our good friend, uh, Dave Michael, mm-hmm. and the cutoff date is December 10th Excellent. for Christmas stuff. Excellent. Thank you so much, Joel. Also, I want to thank Matthew Descharmes for being with us tonight. Joel, Matthew, where can people visit you? <laughs> you almost called me Joel. I almost did. <laughs> That's okay. No, uh, I don't have nearly as much to push as Joel does. My life uh, apparently is not as interesting. <laughs> but <laughs> you can see my work on YouTube. Just do a search for Matt the Wad or Matthew Ducharme. Excellent. Follow me on Twitter at the Brian Dunaway. Catch everything we do at Comics Coast to Coast on Twitter at Comic C to C. Website is comicscoasttocoast.com. If you'd like to support us, you can head over to patreon.com forward slash comics c to c there uh that's about it we hope to be back next week with uh hammond chamberlain to talk about some yet to be determined holiday goodness but do tune in for that and we'll see you guys next week
This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com. Where I'd make a childish fart noise, but I have a beard <laughs> and I can't do it. Perfect. <laughs>